Welcome to One Hit Wonderful, the podcast where we revisit all those amazing reality shows that were unfortunately only given one season. Today, we continue our series on The Princes of Malibu. We're going to be doing episode two. I'm your host, Frank Pezzanite III. And I'm Meredith Broadbeck. Um, we do not have an episode name for this episode because there really aren't any, so we're kind of just giving that up. Yeah. And uh, we don't have house cleaning because we are just recording on the same day that we did last week, so there's no new Twitter or anything. Right. So I looked up the house just for some specific details. And as I told Frank, the Malibu Times, in anticipation of the Princes of Malibu, wrote an article saying the Princes of Malibu are coming to TV, like all excited, like local news. And in that news article, they said the house was worth $70 million. In the show, they said it was worth $40 million. But in David and Linda's divorce, it was sold to the person who still owns it, who's a CEO of Oracle, you know, some billionaire, and it only sold for $20 million. So it's really all over the place, or he lost a ton of value on it, but... He may have lost a ton of value on it. Maybe. It has nine bedrooms, three recording studios, a guest house, pool, tennis court, spa, and the funicular, and it is 20,000 square feet. Wow. Yeah, it's sizable. Why would you need three recording studios? I wonder if it means three, like, boxes in a recording studio. You know what yeah, I mean? but that means he can record, like, three separate things. Yeah, no, no, I know, but I'm th- when I think three recordings, I think of, like, three separate rooms. That wouldn't surprise me either. Yeah, maybe. He could be doing work with one person and one producer and then go over here and do work with another. Yeah, I guess. He's, I don't know, he seems that important to the movie business, but what do I know? And the other created by person's name is Brent Pindovich. Yep. And we need to look him up for next time. Okay. But I wrote down his name, so... Okay. He's got to be another wealthy high school friend. That's that's my story. I'm sticking to it. So, for the Boo Breakdown, episode two, the matriarch of the house, Linda Thompson. Her, we've had some fascinating stories, actually, out of these people so far. I think yeah. the, the boys will annoy me a little bit, but the parents are pretty interesting. So, Linda was born in Tennessee in 1950. She was the third runner-up in Miss Tennessee in 1970. So she refers to herself as Miss Tennessee. But Miss Tennessee is technically under the Miss America umbrella. Yeah. Linda Thompson was Miss Tennessee Universe in 1972, which is the Miss USA, Miss Universe umbrella. Oh, Kenya Moore. Yes. So she says, I was Miss Tennessee, but... Well, she was. She was. She was just Miss Tennessee Universe, technically speaking. So, Linda Thompson, when she was a beauty queen, she dated Elvis, which is very exciting. As she tells in this episode, but I had already read about, Elvis used to have private movie screenings. How appropriate for this episode. Yeah. At a Memphis theater after hours. So at midnight, he would close it and invite people to come to a private movie screening. Linda went with her friend and roommate who was Miss Rhode Island. Miss Congeniality. (laughs) Miss Rhode Island. Nice. Um, And they went to the screening at the movie theater and she met Elvis and they dated for four years. They broke up about a year before he passed away. She was his last girlfriend, though. Yeah. Um, And they apparently broke up because she wanted a normal life, which she couldn't have with him. She wanted, you know, husband, babies, etc. 
So she has been referred to as a songwriter and an actress, and she was an actress. She had a lot of regular roles on, and later, you know, sporadic episodes, on Hee Haw, Chips, Starsky and Hutch, Vegas, Fantasy Island, The Fall Guy, and how dare I forget that she played Jackie Taylor's best friend, Nina, in one of my favorite episodes of all time of Beverly Hills Now 210, The Perfect Mom. Amazing. The mother-daughter fashion show. So... Nina is, Linda Thompson, is the pretty woman laying with Jackie by the pool when Brenda meets Jackie for the first time. She also had a small role in The Bodyguard, and she and Bruce made a workout video together. In 1984. And it's called The Winning Workout, and I think we need to find it and do it. I, I'm all over that. I will I'll, do that. I'll come over here in activewear, and we will do it here later. She's also appeared in four different documentaries about Elvis. And her songwriting career is quite successful as well. I don't know any of the songs off the top of my head, um, but she's worked with Celine Dion and the Backstreet Boys, and then she also wrote one of the songs on the Pretty Woman soundtrack. That Peter Cetera sang. And we tried, we listened to it and tried to figure out which part of the movie it's in, but I'll have to watch the movie again in order to place it. I'm almost positive it's towards the end in the montage part where they're both realizing that they miss each other and right before he comes to pick her up, but I'm not yeah. totally sure about that. Yeah, I don't know. So another interesting tidbit, last week I talked about how David Foster wrote that song that won an Emmy that was performed by Catherine McPhee, and that was my theory on how they met. Linda Thompson co-wrote that song. Oh. Yeah. David won the Emmy, but actually I think Linda must share the Emmy with him. There's pictures of her holding an Emmy too. Yeah. But so they met Catherine McPhee at the same time. Lovely. Yeah. So she dated Bruce Jenner, obviously. They started dating in 1980. They got married in January of 1981, and Brandon arrived in June of 1981. So whirlwind, romance, pregnancy, and marriage. And then Brody was born in August of 1983, and his first name is Sam. I did not know that. I did not know that either, but I did know, and I actually forgot until just this moment, but they met at the Playboy Mansion. Oh, Bruce and Linda. Yes. Okay, um, It was right. after the first divorce, and he was very like, uh, like, I don't want to be a woman. I don't, what am I doing? And I think Linda was his way to, like, he was like, I'm going to give it my all. I'm going to, like, yeah. date this hot chick and see what happens. And it did not work out well. I'd forgotten they met at the Playboy Mansion, but they did. Yeah. Um, but Brody is Brody's middle name. So he's actually... If we ever run into him, I want to be like, what's up, Sam? Yeah. <laughs> See if he responds. <laughs> so she married David on June 22nd, 1991. They divorced in 2005, and she has never remarried. And she hasn't been doing a whole lot since. I know she's a grandmother now. She's into that. She's yeah. very involved in Brody's wedding to Caitlin. How ironic. Um, but that's it. Just Linda being Linda. Yeah. I mean, I think that she's still very close with Brandon and Brody. And, she is. I mean, she's got enough money, so why work? Like, and she cares? she adores their significant others. She yeah. loves those pretty blonde girls. Yeah. I think they remind her of her, obviously. I'm sure. Yeah. But there you go. Linda Thompson dated Elvis. Not not a, baiting, uh, bad dating track record. Like, she liked successful men. It wasn't She likes successful men, but that <clears throat> are awful. Yeah. But I mean, like, she got, like, druggy Elvis. Yeah. She got sexually, well, not sexually, but genderly confused yeah. 
Caitlyn Jenner. And then Rageaholic David. Yeah. I'm just saying, she has an eye for success. I wasn't... She does have an eye for success, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, for sure. Maybe not personalities, but success-wise, her track record is not bad. And she got, like... Yeah, she moved up, I guess. Uh, no. Well, maybe she needs to start thinking more about substance. Yeah. And less about style. Yeah. Okay. So we open the episode and David has a great... Oh, no. Or is it Spencer? It's Spencer. Spencer has a great idea. Sorry. <laughs> this episode was less chaotic for me, but it was more um, like hijinksy. Yeah. Like we just got four scenes of them trying to do something that took way too long for them to accomplish. So Spencer has a great idea and they're in David's office and he picks up the Grammy for I Will Always Love You and they post it on eBay. Yeah. They're going to sell it. Like that's their big plan to make the money. Okay. Oh, if you saw something like that on eBay, wouldn't you just assume it was fake? Well, and I have a feeling that even back then the Grammy people have alerts and immediately know if something like that is going on. Yeah. 2004, 2005, I would think so. Yeah. Or David would just get another one made once it sold. Eh, Whatever. So then David storms into his own office and says, Brody, move your fucking car. (laughs) He drops the F-bomb a lot. A lot, yeah. They are bleeping a lot on this show. So then he asks why they're using his computer. He says there are three computers in the house, but this one is mine. I I find that fair, but I'm also really possessive of my stuff. So I'm trying not to be on Team David so much, but I can't help it. No, I'm totally on Team David. I also thought it was interesting to see that Brody had three eBay accounts. That's creepy. It was like Brody67, Brody, like there were three different. Ew. Yeah. Did he not know how to reset a password? Was he creating new ones every I don't time? know, because he, he clicked on the top one. Was he selling so much of David's shit that he had to <laughs> Maybe. spread it out? Or, I mean, I'm assuming it was eBay passwords. Maybe it was, like, his AOL login or something, and he had three screen names, but... Oh, God. Yikes. So, then he asks what Spencer is doing, and Spencer is coyly holding the Grammy behind his back, and then when David sees which one it is, Spencer says, no, it's, I mean, it's my mom's favorite song. I, I did laugh at that. That was funny. <laughs> um, so then we go, they flash back to the scene we had with David and the boys last week where they're discussing their rent or whatever, hanging out in Brody's room together. And David says, why don't you go into acting or modeling? Which I thought was really funny. Like, obviously you're not going to be good at working, working. So mm-hmm. why don't you rely on your looks in some way, shape or form? But he is an attractive kid. David's not wrong. He's but... not wrong. But I mean, most people will be like, why don't you go get a job in an office? Or why don't you go work at a McDonald's? Whatever. But to be like, you should just act or model. But well, they also, he's basically saying like, I can plug you into something like that really easily. You could show up a day once a month for a catalog and get a couple thousand dollars. Yeah. That's basically what he's telling him to do. So then they get into this conversation about managing and how Spencer is going to manage Brody. Or is his manager. He says, I'm his manager. Yeah. And David's like, what are you managing? Who are you managing? Do you know what managing means? Like, what are you, what are you saying? <laughs> and then they talk about the movie business. But I mean, I want to go back to this because Spencer is right. Spencer did make Brody famous. Yeah. Spencer made this show. Yeah. Spencer then got them on the hills. Like, Spencer delivered. No, he's a manager. Yeah. He's a weaselly little creep. He's a manager. Yeah, 100%. So then they transition to talking about the movie business, and Spencer says, just let me handle it. I'll be in the movie business by tomorrow night. 
Um, and so then when David leaves the room, I guess, they talk about how they're going to do a drive-in with screeners of his movies. And you see them, like, creep up into his movie screener collection. And they get very excited for a Martin Lawrence movie called Rebound. They're like, oh, sick, Rebound, we're going to show it. And Spencer says, this comes out this summer, right? He does, and this is where things get real confusing, because Rebound came out July 1st, 2005, which would have been nine days, or actually, this episode of the 17th, so 16 days before this episode aired. Yeah. So in terms of cross-promotion, it would have been great. Like, oh, this movie's out right now, it's on the show, whatever. Now, herein lies the problem, is that this show was allegedly filmed in 2004 yeah because that's when brody's 21st birthday would have been so we don't know what's going on like we don't know if they faked brody's birthday and it was actually his 22nd or they did it like the beginning of summer who the fuck knows no but his 22nd would have been after the show aired He's an no, but I'm saying maybe yeah. like the beginning of summer, they were just like, let's do your 22nd birthday party. Whatever. Who knows? We yeah. have no idea. Yeah. I actually did, as we were watching this, I tweeted Spencer and asked him, I said, you know, I know that you, that Fritz de Bellevue aired in 2005. We were wondering when you recorded it or filmed it. Was it 2004? So we'll see if he responds. Right. And also by 2005, David and Linda would not have been kicking it in Mexico together. That's what no. they're doing. Yeah. So... What I think, I think Spencer is savvy enough that he picked up a variety of screeners from David's drawer and he filmed himself doing that. And when he shopped it around to different networks, he was like, see, I got this scene with a Fox movie. You really not going to show it, bruh? And he did that with like every studio he went to. But they say Martin Lawrence a lot. I know. I don't know. I think... Or this was filmed last once they got picked up from Fox or something. I think that they faked the birthday party. I don't think it was filmed in 2004. I think they faked the birthday party. Maybe. But what about all the David and Linda stuff? They're still together. And that's the date that their divorce was final, that July date in 2005. No, that's the date she filed. Okay. Hmm. I don't know. Because that, that would make sense that they faked the birthday party because... This show is what ruined their marriage. It was the final straw is what it, all the, the reports say. So that would make sense. If they were actually filming this in like May or June, like if that's when filming started in the beginning of the summer. Yeah. Um, and by the end. Yeah. She was me- like, fuck it. I yeah, mean, he was is- like, I'm out of here or whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think they may have just. They just it. faked it all. I think they faked it all. But I, I, I just don't think. With Spencer's limited production value. That's true. That they would be able to green screen and like do it with 15 movies. And you know what I mean? Like I I think it was the real movie. I do think there's something to the theory though that maybe this was filmed last. And they were picked up by Fox. And they said like, oh hey, maybe we'll just have a drive-in movie night. And we'll show one of David's screeners. And we'll throw in this box. Sure. Yeah, sure. That's possible. Yeah. Yeah. Because they point to the DVD cover like six times. They say Martin Lawrence a bunch. Like, Yeah, I mean, it's got to be. And this show aired on Fox, and Fox is the one who yeah. did the movie. So there's got to be some kind of like... But yeah, it's, it's very possible they did it at the end. And like the way that Spencer talks about the movie, like, Oh man, this comes out this summer. Like it sounds like an ad in the show. Yeah. And like they even have a McDonald's booth later in the show. He's savvy enough to do some stuff. Yeah. I don't know. It's. I would love to know. I would love to sit down with him and talk about it. Yeah. Well, I don't know. He's busy now filming The Hills. I know. Yeah. 
I'll let I'll let him off for not answering our questions if he gets back to the hills. But anyway, there is a lot of kerfuffle about these unreleased movies and whatnot. So then David decides to bring Brody to the office with him for a bring your son to work day. Well, we forgot that during their conversation in the room, Brody informs him that he does have a job. He's in a band. Oh, yeah. Which as a drummer. Right. So then they talk about that in the car on the way to the office. That's when he says it. And he was like, well, I'm in a band. And he's like, you don't make money from your band. He goes, yeah, we have a great little following. Yeah. All right. Great. So then they get to the office and. Where are the. F- oh, it's later. And we meet by Michael Buble. Because they're at Warner Brothers. Yeah. Yeah. That's where David worked at the time. And then Michael Buble is doing Elvis impersonations because I guess it really drives David Foster nuts because of the whole Linda connection. And he says, like, Michael's the only one that can do Elvis impressions in front of me. Yeah. And make me not angry or something. And then David says he's dead and he was fat when he died. In reference to Elvis. Yeah. That's not nice. It's not, and I'm a little curious as to why there's so much Elvisy stuff in this show. Yeah. <laughs> like, David doesn't like him. Yes, Linda dated him, but this is also almost 20 years after Elvis's death. More than 20 years yeah, after Elvis's death. Yeah, almost 30. 25, yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It's weird and not relevant, and it was a dick thing for him to say. I would also think a music producer with as much success as David Foster would not say things like that on camera about other musicians. You'd think, and also, it's not a good look to be insanely jealous of your wife's dead ex-boyfriend from when, before you even knew her. Yeah. I don't, it's very odd. And she had a husband in between him. Like, it, it's weird. Yeah. Yeah, what does he say about Bruce? Like, my God. I could only imagine. So then we get a little scene of Linda having lunch or breakfast or whatever with Spencer, Brandon, and Brandon's girlfriend, Leah. And she's wearing a tank top that says Big Doom. And thanks to some Googling, we've discovered that Big Doom was Brandon Jenner's band. Yeah, so not his nickname. Not his nickname. But his band. Yes, And his girlfriend, Leah, was also in the band. Now ex-wife. Yes, now ex-wife. Mother of his daughter. And they released an album in 2005, self-produced, self-released, and then they haven't done anything since. So As Big Doom, but he and the Leah have done tons of stuff since. I think so. Um, So then we go back to the office, and David has his executive assistant get up. Oh, and did we say that the album came out on July 26th? 2005. Yeah. Yeah, like, that's why they're all wearing Big Doom t-shirts. And it coincided with the show, Aaron. Yeah, not a coincidence. So, David has his executive assistant get up from her desk, and he has Brody answer the phones, and there's some capery nonsense about Brody saying, I'll listen to your tape, and then maybe I'll give it to David. Like, I'm a musician, too. Uh." I will have to say, though, that all of this cross-promotional stuff with the band and movies. and I mean, that was all Spencer. It was all clever. It's yeah. well-timed. I know, but I hate it. <laughs> I, but I just really feel like it just makes me sad that Spencer's not a producer of something, anything. Like, I really hope he's a producer on the New Hills. But, so, I think where Spencer got torn, though, is that he's a born producer. If he had just shut his mouth and agreed to be behind things... He could have been a 
a great success. But that's what I'm saying. I'm really sad that he's not, not on TV, but not, he should be producing things. I know, but he got torn between loving being on TV. Yeah. If Spencer could go back to the days when he was on the cover of Us Weekly for doing both, his, that would be made, but you can't. You just can't. Yeah. You know, it, it just doesn't work. Unless you're like Andy Cohen, but that's also different. He hosts a show that's like retrospective of these shows. It's not like he pops into Real Housewives of Beverly Hills for dinner. That's what Spencer wants to do. Ugh, I can't wait until he's fat and dead. I know. He's, he, it's getting a bit much now. Yeah. I'll, I'll do, by the way. Of course, I still love Bravo. So then we go back to this like lunch scene and there's, what would you even call it? Like, what do you call it? A marquee? A sign, like a marquee sign. Yeah. Um, in the flatbed of a truck that says "Drive In Movie at Casablanca tonight" with like an arrow. And it, I wish we have listeners that live in Malibu because I would love to know. Like, does everyone just know the names of everyone's houses and know that's where it is? Would you? I mean, if I saw that sign, I'd be like, "What the fuck is Casablanca?" Like, I don't. I would say yes, because there are probably only so many mansions that are that big, but then I would think, no, it's Malibu. It's Malibu. Yeah, there are a ton of mansions that are that big. I know, I just took it back. So that's what, I mean, this episode was so, and I'm sure the rest of them too, was so fake and so contrived and so not, I mean, yeah, nothing about it was realistic. No. Well, let's get to this next scene, because that's where I started to like pull a David Foster on the inside. So David gets home from bringing Brody to work and he doesn't feel well. And he goes upstairs to take a nap. And Linda makes a phone call and she calls Brody and says, David went to take a nap. The coast is clear. And then we get this long scene of like them setting things up, like stealing David's popcorn maker and moving all the couches outside and like, like it's like a circus. So then they get people driving in through the main gate and they're paying $10 a car? Which, by the way, what the fuck? Like, I'm sorry, even if it was $10 a person, you're not going to recoup the cost of the screen and the concession stand. No. And everything. I mean, they had so much stuff there. There's no way you'd even break even. You'd come out in the hole. Yeah. I don't... Like, that screen alone, I can't even imagine how much that costs. No, what the cars did to the lawn alone is worth probably double what it cost them to put it on. It's really bad. I know. So then they think a cop is pulling up and they're freaking out about whether or not they need permits. And maybe they do live in a gated community and this is like the local security officer. He was definitely a security guard. Yeah, he may just be the property security guard, though. They don't look like they have the... Like, they're... They have so many acres, I don't see any houses close to them, but what do I know? I mean, maybe it's just a giant-ass neighborhood, and they're a gate inside of a gate. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, they have 22 acres, that's that's pretty I mean, when you, again, like, you don't watch the Kardashians, I do. They live in a gated community in Calabasas, and now I know that the outside shots of their homes are not their actual homes for security reasons. Yeah. But... I believe it is actually their backyards and stuff when they show them the backyard. And you also don't see any houses for forever. Yeah. And they're in a neighborhood. So it's a gate. It's of a gate. Yeah. But they know this cop is the point. Yeah. And they said like, oh man, we were wondering if we need permits. And he's like, no, but you need a permit for that collar. I've never seen you wear one. Cause Brody's wearing a collared shirt. Yeah. Clever security guard. 
And then all of a sudden, a woman appears behind Brody and Spencer, and her title card says she's the property manager. We need to talk about this. Okay. Because what does she say about David? Like, David's going to be so mad or something? No, she's like, well, you've really done it this time. Like, David's going to freak out. Yeah. He's really going to freak out this time. Um, shouldn't she also be freaking out? Yes, she should. Um, B, I'm assuming the way that she and the groundskeeper and everyone else is getting around this, allegedly, is that Linda said it was okay. Yeah, that's true. So the other thing that's happening during this scene, ironically, is that David is going to watch a movie. Yeah. He's wearing... What? Bad luck. Yeah. He's wearing his bathrobe and pajamas and Ugg boots, which... I'm sorry, seeing a man stomp around in Ugg boots was kind of a delight. Especially in 2005. Yeah. So then he calls Linda on their intercom system or whatever. And Linda says, like, I'll be up in a minute, honey. Just catch me up when I get there. Because she's out on the lawn with the boys. And David still apparently doesn't know what's happening outside. No. He does say that they're a quarter mile away, which put it in a little bit more perspective. The lawn does. He would have to take the funicular or drive. Yeah. <laughs> Let me just hop in my funicular. <laughs> when he does drive, he hops in his uh, golf cart later. Yeah, he does. So then, of course, David opens his drawer of screeners, and the one movie he wanted to watch isn't there. Rebound with Martin Lawrence. So we watch David go room to room and looking for his movie in his Uggs. And then he goes down to the boys' rooms and he sees that all the lights are on and he decides instead of turning the lights off, he just removes all of their light bulbs. Even though they're scalding hot, he doesn't... He uses a towel. Yep. And then he tries to carry them all upstairs (laughs) and he drops one and it smashes and it's just... Like in this episode, the part that I found realistic was that, was the lights and the light bulb part. Oh, yeah. Everything else, no. Yeah. But the lights part... I thought was real. Yeah. So then David says that for the first time in the whole year, Malibu has its first blackout. And there's this really cheesy animated shot of like all of Los Angeles losing power. Nobu loses power. Yeah. So then all the cars at the drive-in start honking. And that's when David notices that there are like 300 cars on his lawn. Yeah. I would think a music producer would have better hearing. You? (laughs) Uh, yeah. Yeah. And I also do not think it was that many cars. No. It was, I'd be more concerned about all my furniture being outside. Yeah. So then he drives his golf cart down there and is understandably pissed. I still don't get how he didn't know. And they say, and when I say they, I mean his wife, Linda. It's fine, David. Everybody paid. Excuse me? What? Again, it's because she has not given these children any kind of sense of how to be an adult. And to her, this is a lemonade stand. Yeah. This is her cute little kids have come up with this idea to have the most obnoxious, lawn-ruining, house-fucking-up lemonade stand in history, and he should think it's adorable. It's awful. I mean, it's just the adult version of a lemonade. Like, if you give your kids... Like, if your kid's still all your Country Time lemonade mix and Oreo cookies to have a lemonade stand and then sell them for, like, a nickel and you're in the hole. I mean, that's basically what this is, and she thinks it's adorable. Yeah, I know. So then 
The best part is, is that David actually gets really pissed off at Spencer. He knows that Spencer is choreographing all of this. Also because he knows Brody's too stupid to choreograph anything. And they're like, don't blame this on Spencer. And he's like, Spencer, I'm sick of you using my stuff for your pleasure. Which is kind of fair. Yeah. Like, if it's one of his sons who lives there, that's different. That's their house, too. Spencer's driving down to a different mansion in Malibu and fucking shit up. Yeah. That would piss me off more. But again, he was in on all of this. I know. Because he doesn't get as mad as he should have. I mean, if that really happened and he really had no idea, that is, I'm calling the cops. I'm having all these people arrested. You are getting the fuck out of my house immediately. I'm taking, like, don't even get your shit. Like, you just get the fuck out. Walk. Don't even take the cars I paid for. Walk. Like, I mean, this is not, like, he doesn't even get that mad. No. So then Brody plays the, I thought he'd be proud of us card to his mother. And Linda says, well, he is. It's just, you know, it'll take time. Like, Give him time, boys. Give him time. She talks to them like toddlers. It's really scary. Yeah. Well, and, and again, we're having the same issue with this episode that we had with the last episode. We're going to have it with, with every With the episode. Nobu thing. There is no resolution. Did the movie finish? We don't know. Yeah. Did everyone get kicked out? Did they have to give the money back? We have no idea. And by the way, they don't even mention the giant carnival-sized concession stand yeah. that's on the lawn. Like that, the McDonald's was coming from somewhere. I don't know where the McDonald's was coming from. Uh, where were all those things getting power from? What were they plugged into? Yeah. Yeah. And if you have a giant concession stand that said popcorn on it, I saw that. Why do you have to steal David's popcorn machine? Right. I, I, I don't know. I did like that on the side of the popcorn machine, but... <laughs> David's... Five dollars David's special popcorn mix. <laughs> yeah. That was pretty funny. Yeah. So then David is in the kitchen with all of them and he has this conversation with Brandon and Brody about turning the lights off and how he took all their light bulbs. And Brandon tries to stand up for himself by saying he turns off the light every night before he goes to bed. And David's like, yeah, no shit. That's because you're going to sleep and who sleeps with the lights on. And he's like, well, you do it for money reasons, but I do it for energy reasons. And David's like, okay, for energy reasons, it's commendable, but you're turning off lights, but you have three cars and all of them are V8s. Touche. But who bought him those three cars? Yeah. David. Idiot. Then he tells the story about how he left his father's wrench overnight when he was a kid and then he was never allowed to use his dad's tools again. I'm like, what stupid 1950s TV show did you get that story from? (laughs) What the hell was David Foster doing with a wrench? I don't know. He was at the music conservatory at like age 13. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Bullshit. And Brody's like, I don't know. You're just like not stoked for us. And David said, it's not that I'm not stoked for you. It's that, like, if you wanted to do this idea, I wasn't even consulted. So he's not even that mad. That's what I'm saying. And, like, how do you He just wanted to be let in on it, and they decided to keep it from him. And how do you get so upset over, like, a little bit of your lawn being ruined in a car wash when a bunch of fucking car... I mean, that had to ruin the lawn. Like, all those cars parked on the lawn, that screen... Like, that's not good for the grass. No. And now he doesn't seem to care. No. It's... And that's it. David goes to bed. Well, I, my favorite, though, is when he was like, I can't believe you're not stoked. And he's like, I'm stoked that you don't have lights. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> he said, that's what's... <laughs> I didn't he said, like that part. <laughs> yeah. He said, that's what's keeping me stoked tonight. <laughs> and then, of course, we see Brody and Spencer and a girl go back to his bedroom and they talk about how it'll just be nice and romantic tonight. And the time on the clock is 10.20 p.m. Wow. Yeah. 
real late night at the movie theater. Well, and, but if it's... <sighs> they filmed it over the winter. It must have gotten dark at like five. Yeah. Yeah. The birthday party was fake. It had to yeah, be. it had to be fake. Yep. Um, and I'm wondering, too, if the only reason Fox allowed these two episodes to be aired on regular Fox it was to get... Because this is the last one. After this, they were all relegated to that weird reality channel that the, nobody had. was Rebound starring Martin um, Lawrence. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that had to be it. Like, we're just going to make it through the promotion for this movie, and then we're going to, like, send it away. I think I'm going to say that a lot to you now, but you'll... I mean, to everyone, but you're going to be the only one who gets it. Oh, man, this comes out this summer. <laughs> but he sounded like a weird Capri Sun commercial from the 90s. He really did. He over-delivered yeah. it. Yeah, a little bit much. Um, and then, instead of scenes from the next, we get scenes from the rest of the season. So I wonder if they know they were getting moved from Fox. I, I guess. I See, I'm trying to remember. I mean, it was so long ago. Um... If I managed to watch the other four, like, did I have Fox? Re- I mean, it's not a channel that exists now, but I may have had it back then. I mean, I had the full cable package. Um, but yeah, like, I, I think they knew they were being moved. Like I said, I think they just, Fox wanted to get through this episode to promote the movie. Yeah. Um, so, of course, in the upcoming four episodes, hijinks and stew ensue. Yeah. Um, we get a stolen plane. Um, we get someone's bedroom door being bricked up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and we get Alan Thick. Oh, yeah. Yeah, a lot of dead people in the show. Yeah, that's the big reveal at the end, is Alan <laughs> Thick. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Um, all right, well, uh, I don't know when we'll be back. We're going to try to stick to our recording every two-week schedule. Yep. So hopefully, a week from now, you'll be getting another episode from us. Yeah. Um, and I hope you guys had a great Halloween. Yeah. <laughs> all right, until next time. <laughs> Bye. Thanks for listening to another episode of One Hit Wonderful. You can find us online on Twitter and Instagram at OneHitPod. You can email us at franklymarebe at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Nana's Mink. And you can find me on Twitter at HeyIt'sMareB. Please remember to rate and subscribe. And have a great week, guys. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs>